to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Thursday and welcome back to another episode of the Embody Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing in the show, I would really appreciate it if you slid over to iTunes and dropped a five-star rating or a written review and just let me know what you are loving about the show, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. All feedback is is welcome. That feedback, the ratings, the reviews help get the show into more ears and more souls across the world. So if you've done that, thank you so much. It helps organically grow the show and that's really important to me. So thank you for being here. So on today's show, I am going to discuss the archetypal pattern of an inner child experience that I am bumping up against in a lot of my clients and I've circled around it in my own personal readings and research around trauma and inner child experiences. The particular example that I want to bring forward today is an interaction that I had with a client and it was talking about trust within her partnership. It's really, really important for us to unpack this because our relational blueprints are imprinted really, really early in childhood and the way that our psyche develops and shapes and forms and these psychic characters that are formed from our early imprinting in relational spaces is really important to be aware of so that it doesn't unconsciously consume us. And so for this example in particular that I'm going to offer today on the podcast, one of my clients was dealing with trust and the initial situation that she brought forward was this frustration that she had with herself because although her partner was proving to be reliable and honest and caring and compassionate, there was something in her that just didn't want to trust him even though the outer evidence was proving otherwise. And so she was frustrated with herself. She was feeling really insecure about this experience that was coming forward within the relational space. And the first thing that we did in this client session was to really give her space and recognize, and I've talked about this in past podcasts before, that it's not necessarily her sabotaging the relationship. It's this internal character of the self-saboteur that is consuming her ability to make choices and swallowing her ability to make choices that are self-honoring. And oftentimes when we are working with a self-saboteur, we want to turn towards an exploration of potential traumatic experiences in relational containers in the past. So clients who come with trauma, often when they're children and they're in this relational space, there's a lot of really powerful and unmediated 
energy that moves through the psyche at the time of the experience. And these can be micro traumas or they can be macro traumas. So small t traumas like chronic small t or big t trauma events. And in the psyche, oftentimes what happens is these inner characters start to form to attack the trauma itself and divide it into smaller pieces so that it is more digestible for the psyche. And so these protectors that Cowshed talks about, there's there's two sides, there's a dis and a bliss. And these protectors are fighting for the possession of the child. And dis is the quote-unquote darker angel that disconnects us from our psychic experience. Um, Dissociation, dysfunction, dis-ease, dysregulation. So there's a lot of dis-energy and trauma, but then there's also like a blissful side which connects us with the illusions that we can use to navigate life with. If you have studied internal family systems and you've worked with protectors in the past or heard about that, they break them down into managers and firefighters. And to me, like laying this on to Cowshed's work, so the managers would be the bliss protectors that connect us to illusions that we can use to navigate life, even if they don't serve the best interests of our wholeness. And then the dis would be the firefighters that are connected to dissociation Dis is really an unmediated fight or flight response. And so what these protective figures are are trying to do is they're trying to bring forward and protect the core vitality that exists within us all. And those protectors block us from realizing that as adults consciously our defenses block the access to our life-giving function, our essence, the innocent core of our being, the essence of our individuality. Because the protectors are unconscious, so they're autonomous beings, and so it's our job in our healing work is to connect consciousness to them. And by connecting consciousness to these protectors, we get beneath the protector and often find the wounded inner child, the orphan, the exile, the one that the the inner figure, the inner part of you that was forsaken by the human world at a really young age and really unsupported and didn't have a lot of resources to navigate the traumatic world. Oftentimes it is the orphan that is supported by the transpersonal world, which are elements of these protective functions of dis and bliss. We want to keep in mind that even though we have this exiled inner child, this inner child, just as every archetype, sits on a spectrum. My friend Jessica DePotti in her Shadow Work Library podcast talks about gift states and shadow states, right? So they sit on a spectrum. The manifestation of the energy can be really expressive of our wholeness or it can be split from our wholeness. And so we want to make sure that, again, the psyche is a democracy because we have this sacred core of our being that sits in this divine child, this essence 
of our individuality, the innocence, the joy, the life, all facets of this traumatic experience in relational wounding need to have a seat at the table because we can't split off parts of ourselves and expect to heal towards a whole. And healing conspires towards integration. Disintegration is often when we have split off and created a tyrannical environment where certain parts are deemed good and bad. So they're like split off. So where I want to start with my client example is initially there was this insecurity around trust. And so how that manifested for her is thoughts of how will I ever start over after this relationship? I don't want to lose you. He's probably cheating on me. He's probably talking to other girls. And while we can reduce that down and call that codependency, we want to really look at the truth of the symptoms within, right? Because oftentimes if we put a label such as codependency on it, we're just using insight and mental functions to navigate. And I think that what's at the root of this is a lot of energy and emotion that needs to be processed that has been dissociated. And so insight needs to be balanced out with unconscious processing, unconscious affect and emotion. And our symptoms that we are suffering are just, they're pictures of the suffering. And we if we need to get rid of the symptoms, we need to be in and through and process the unconscious affect. And so for this client in particular, the symptoms were these chaotic anxiety-producing thoughts. And I'm sure that a lot of you out there can relate to this experience of having these kind of spiraling thoughts of, well, he or she is probably talking to other girls. He or she is probably cheating on me. All of these different thoughts that that feed on themselves they create a negative feedback loop on themselves and it is often underneath there are layers to that that we need to dig underneath so that we can get to the root of the actual problem because the the root of the experience of the traumatic experiences it's often involving parts of ourselves that have been somatic experiences such as love and safety being seen being validated those embodied experiences are often dissociated and so we don't heal trauma by cognition we heal trauma through the body with the help of cognition the starting point for this client in particular was this kind of cognitive feedback loop of the thoughts. And so my curiosity for her was what experience comes forward in you when those thoughts start to um, take hold? And she was very adamant that she disliked it about herself. She was so frustrated and she was angry at herself for it. And I thought that this was really interesting because I think that oftentimes anger is very misunderstood in the psyche. I think that it gets a bad rap and I'm here to advocate for how important anger can actually be. Anger, I think, is a really strong advocator for the truth if it is contained in an appropriate way. And so 
Anger informs us of where our boundaries have been crossed, where our no is. It activates our fight response, our ability to mobilize and move through things that aren't serving us. When we are young and we don't have adequate containers given like support in containment by the adults around us our anger starts to unconsciously revert inwards it becomes interjected into the psyche and perhaps this anger that was advocating for the truth now becomes a perpetrator that attacks you so that's what cowshed says the protector turns into the persecutor. I asked my client in particular, I asked my client if she could describe this anger and give it a shape and a form. If anger had an image, what would that image be like? There was a lot of heat in this image. There was a lot of energy. And I asked her if, she, if you stayed with that image and looked at this figure that has formed because of the anger, what happens in your body when you start to confront this dark figure? And she immediately said, fear. It's scary. It's interesting because she said fear, but then there's also anger. And that can be very confusing in the nervous system because that is a simultaneous, you want to fight, but you want to flee at the same time. So anger is attached to fight, fear is attached to flight. And so when you have opposing impulses in the psyche, that can be really confusing. And I kind of broke that down for her and I was like, you know, that can be really conflicting and and overwhelming to have these dual impulses of being really angry, but also wanting to confront that anger and and voice that, but then also being afraid and wanting to run away. And I asked her if that reminded her of anything. And immediately this memory bust forward of this five-year-old little version of her that was not seen, very lonely, very lost, very confused, angry, scared, sad, all the things, like all the emotions that this wounded inner child was feeling, I just immediately felt this immense sadness come through me of thinking about this inner child who was not being seen and mirrored, and this anger was directed towards her parents. She was fighting for attention. Her fight response was associated with trying to vie for the attention of the caregivers but also simultaneously realizing that her needs weren't met and that being really really scary but she can't leave because she's dependent on these individuals for her care and so as children we can get caught in these very overwhelming experiences with our caregivers in relationship and so if those experiences aren't contained we can see how perhaps that can be too much, too fast, too soon, too overwhelming for the nervous system of a little child to handle. And so that's where these dis and bliss come in, these protective functions 
to split off and dissect all of that overwhelm and basically send it to different parts of the somatic unconscious so that we don't have to consciously experience the overwhelm constantly as a child. What that does though is it creates the orphan, the exiled one, right? Because this this part now becomes split off from consciousness because it was so loaded with affect and emotion. And so our job in healing is to access and get and meet this orphaned, exiled, wounded inner child and to see her and to see what she needs in that moment. Because ultimately we are thinking that if we just learn the next thing about relationships, then we will show up better. What you're acting out in relationships is based on these implicit memories of childhood experiences when your relational blueprint was being formed. And so a lot of the things you do in relationships are unconscious manifestations of this playing itself out. When this client in particular is feeling insecure around trust, oftentimes it is, it's not her, that's, it's her ego being consumed by the traumatic affect of this wounded inner child. It is this very lonely, sad, confused, lost, fearful inner child that is looking for an outer person to soothe that fear and to soothe that sadness and to soothe that loneliness, to make her feel not so lost. And that puts a lot of pressure and expectation on our partners as adults because if we are not seeing our inner child because it's so locked away oftentimes our partner is not going to have the capacity to do that either and so our healing work is to turn towards that so with this client in particular just to recap there was layers it started in thoughts cognition the the thoughts provoked frustration anger, being with the anger invoked fear, exploring the fear brought forward this this wounded inner child. And so when we brought forward and amplified this inner child, just like immense sadness and grief filled our container and just opening space for this, for us to just be with this inner child and like asking this inner child like what she needs right now and her inner child just like the sweetest little thing is just to be here just to just to be here and spending some time and creating some safety with and helping this inner child feel those feelings from her traumatic past where she needed her parents to see her and she needed her parents to help her regulate but they weren't there because this inner child has so many components to her, we mentioned that the orphaned exile, for her in particular, it's associated with like sadness and loneliness and feeling lost and confused. But on the opposite end of that spectrum, 
these divine children within us have so much spontaneity, so much creativity, so much aliveness, so much innocence, so much joy. And if we're cutting off the exile, if we're abandoning unconsciously, leaving this orphan unnoticed throughout the unconscious then we're keeping ourselves locked away from that sense of aliveness that is the gift of that child. And so when we're working with soul return, return of our essence, return of our individuality, return of our joy, our spontaneity, that has to find, because it has been dissociated for a long time, it's been numbed, distanced, held somewhere in the somatic unconscious, we have to find a safe place for this inner child to live within the body. Anytime that I've asked a client, like if this inner child could have a home in your body, where would it be? And almost every time my clients respond with, it lives in the heart. It lives in my heart. My heart feels calm. It feels relief it feels this expansion those are the things that are cut off when we have experienced relational wounds in the past and so coming back to the the original symptom of being frustrated and feeling insecure about not being able to trust the partner i asked this i kind of reframed this to my client and you know we keep asking can I trust my partner? And I think that's the, that's an inadequate question. I think the question that needs to be asked is, does my inner child trust me in this moment to navigate this without abandoning her? Does my inner child trust me in this moment to navigate without exiling them? That is a massive, radical reorientation to the way that we approach our inner work because we're no longer projecting the need for someone out there to be anything other than what they are at the moment because we need them because we are have this wound inside of us but we can meet them from a place of open-heartedness and yes while there still may be insecurities and fears that pop up in relationship If you can include all of the relational wounds of the past and embody that through the heart space, that creates a space where you can really meet someone in a very soul-centered relational experience. Because if we get stuck unconsciously being swallowed by these internalized protectors that have become persecutors often we get stuck in these kind of victim perpetrator stories where we feel victimized by the relational dynamic that we're in that someone is perpetrating someone else is the perpetrator and we are the victim if we can relearn how to navigate and embody this really helps transform And it is through the witnessing and the holding space for this exiled version of the self to be witnessed and to be held and to be seen in loving connection with someone who is able to hold 
hold that experience and help that person navigate that highly effective experience so that the experience can be mediated because that's what was missing in the childhood experience. The inner child, the exiled, wounded inner child cannot trust other people to hold them in their vulnerabilities. And so when we are relational containers such as coaching or therapy is able to help hold someone while they're sad, while they're enraged, while they're longing to be seen and to be heard and to be witnessed and to be soothed. That is incredibly life-saving. They give us they reorient our identity from no longer being victimized to being empowered to, to feeling like they have a sense of solidarity and a sense of self about them. I think this work is, again, I say this almost every podcast, it's the most important work you could do in your life because we're, we are relational beings. And if we continue to relate from these unconscious childhood wounding patterns, we keep ourselves locked out of that essence. We keep, we keep ourselves locked away from the innocence that is inherent in the nature, the spontaneity and the creativity that is inherent in our nature of being human that makes the human experience worthwhile. Like I said, this healing this experience of trust and insecurity isn't a cognitive approach because if you just convince yourself well here's a red flag and I can just do xyz and then I'll show up better in the relationship like I said that works and that creates some coping mechanisms but at the root of symptoms is emotion is unconscious material that is influencing us and so if we can learn to give that unconscious energy if we can turn towards it create a capacity to attend to it to see it to witness it to hold it so that it can be integrated into the body consciously then that creates such a deep safety in allowing you to navigate any relational experience that would feel like a quote-unquote rupture so these, these moments in our relationships where we feel insecure, well, that's a rupture. And we're, we're looking for somebody else outside of us to repair as if we're dependent on another person to repair. And that is relating to relationships from a dependent childlike perspective. And to be an empowered adult in relationship means to turn towards what is, experience what is, and get to the layers beneath it. Oftentimes I find this work so very powerful to be in in a, a relational container like my coaching containers because these coaching spaces set up the safety that was needed and necessary to be witnessed that wasn't there as a child. And so because we didn't trust our caregivers and our early relational blueprints were unsafe, doesn't mean that we have to look to another person to validate the safety of the relationship. 
yes, we can ask for our needs and get our needs met. But I think the question first and foremost is, does my inner child trust me in this process? And if she doesn't, oftentimes it is that shadow figure, that inner frustration that was internalized and interdicted, that anger will advocate for this inner child. If you're starting to feel frustrated and that's the gateway into this inner child, it's like, well, if you start to feel that again, you know that perhaps maybe this inner child is feeling abandoned and you need to turn towards her. I know that was a lot, um, but I thought it was a pattern that has been coming forward in a lot of different ways in my coaching clients right now. And I love to spend some time on the podcast breaking down some client examples because I feel like they're practical and they're tangible and they really let people see that they're not alone in these experiences. This experience of the exiled inner child is, it's archetypal, the orphaned inner child, whatever you want to call it. I did a podcast on the inner orphan, so that's another one that you can go listen to on the podcast if you haven't yet. Before I wrap up this podcast, I just wanted to let you guys know that I am officially opening the early bird waitlist for my next Born to Heal cohort for 2022. So if you're new here and you haven't heard me talk about Born to Heal, Born to Heal is my 12-week signature group program for women who are looking to do a work like this. It's a small group, 12 women in the group sometimes more because it is lifelong access. So people who have been in Born to Heal in the past choose to repeat. We are on cohort eight, so that's exciting because the community continues to build upon itself. The point of Born to Heal is to create a greater capacity to hold all of this experience of the unconscious and to bring it to greater consciousness through a depth psychological and somatic lens. So we're doing work on the nervous system, we're doing work on emotional regulation, we're doing shadow integration, we're doing work on complexes, we're doing work on relationships, we're doing work on compassion, forgiveness, boundaries, integrity, values, truth. So there, it's, it's a course that's jam-packed and like I said, it's lifelong access. So, so much material in there to, to really stew on and I find that because it is the eighth cohort it's just become so much more rich and deep every single cohort it just goes to a a different level of depth that continues to amaze me and just fill my heart with so so much love and gratitude for the container so if you are a lady who is interested in joining the next cohort we start i think it's january 10th 2022 So I'm opening up early bird waitlist for that. I already have one person in the cohort for January. So if you want to secure an early bird pricing, go ahead and head to the show notes and you can read about the course and then that will take you to an application link where you can put an application and you can set up a call and see if the course is something that is a good fit for you. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast and we will talk on Sunday. Bye, guys.